3: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here to for the last of the position review uh, reviews of 2021, and this the safety position. Joining me for this is our friend Josh Reed. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. How are you doing? Great to have you on again, my friend, at Josh Reed 907 on Twitter. If you want to follow him, please do it. Uh, Josh, let's get right into it uh, in terms of the safety position in 2021. Lots of problems for the Ravens in a, in a multitude of ways. Really starting, I think, with tackling would be the thing that uh, the safeties let the Ravens down to a, a degree. Yeah, definitely, like I said, tackling was, was a huge
0: issue, but I also think that the injuries at corner really kind of hindered what they could say could do from like a versatility standpoint as, as how effective they could be. It's the fact that some of those guys were playing out of position at times and other guys had to kind of make up for some of the mishaps, especially Chuck Clark. They had to make up for a lot of the mishaps of other guys. But, um, yeah, tackling was a huge issue to start the season. Um, they kind of got a little better at the end. Brandon Stevens made some nice well, – I guess we'll get to that when we, when we get to him. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I, I think things did improve. I couldn't stay away from injuries at this position either. The big one being Deshaun Elliott lost after a few weeks. Uh, I have to actually look back and see when he was lost. It seems like forever ago. Nine. Yeah, but uh, but certainly the entire six-game losing streak came after the loss of Deshaun Elliott. Not to say that was the only problem with the Ravens at that point. Missing Lamar Jackson is a big one. Uh, but Deshaun Elliott was not really well replaced on the back end. Brandon Stevens did not play terribly but he also, uh, you know, was not uh, up to the quality we maybe expect from Deshaun Elliott.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, um, I remember when the play Deshaun Elliott got injured was he was covering a wheel route on C.J. Hand. for some reason. It was Week Nine against the Vikings, and for some reason they let a fullback go streaking up the left sideline, mm-hmm. and and he went up to try to get it. And that's the play he tore his um his bicep, and um, like I said, it, it was for for Brandon Stevens, it was really a trial by fire kind of thing for him. You know, the, the Ravens weren't planning to use him nearly as much as. He ended up playing in year one. Um, he, he he stepped in for um for Deshaun Elliott in two games to start the season. Like I think Deshaun missed like two out of the first eight games, and then um and then uh yeah. But but like so he he didn't he played admirably, but like you know you could tell he was he wasn't he wasn't really all there as far as knowing where to be, and you could really kind of miss that cohesion that Chuck and Deshaun had established last year in the first full years as starters together.
3: Yeah. Lots of playing time for Stevens, even early Stevens was the third safety who came on in dime early on in the season. So when they were playing some big nickel, he was in, they, he was in when they wanted to play dime. Uh, They used a little bit of stone too, even in the Kansas city game, looking back to the second game of the year, Stevens, 24 snaps stone with 12 is the way I count them. Uh, But they, they, they gave Stevens a fair amount of playing time. And, and I think you know, they, they drafted him third overall. Though, sorry, not third overall, third round. And the only the only reason I can come up with that is that they really believed he could be the free safety of the future. They probably knew they were going to lose to Sean Elliott. They may they may still be able to keep him. But looking forward to that, they had to be thinking that he could fill that free safety role going forward.
0: Yeah, um like I said, he's basically, basically a top. Top pick in the fourth round because they picked him at one four overall, which is the last pick in the third round. When people mm-hmm. when people refer to him, well, he he's a third round pick. Who well, he was at the bottom of the third round, so it's not like he was like a high end third round pick. So, um, but yeah, Eric Costa even said that at the um at the post draft press conference. You know, like we envision him as a free safety, and that's how we're gonna gonna train him up. And um, as I said previously, that I think their plan for him was definitely to learn. Do a lot, learn a lot more this year and in a limited slash reduced role and then take on more even replace the next year and um at that all that timeline got accelerated by
3: Elliot's injury
0: so um that's that's where we are now
3: yeah very much a trial by fire again we saw it with Jalen Ferguson a couple of years ago sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't um but anyway with, with uh, uh with Stevens He played so many positions in college, had not really focused on anything. I I think you're right in that they really wanted to find something that that would be his position. Uh, He got to play free safety for most of the end of the year in terms of being back there. He was more effective coming up closer to the line of scrimmage and and doing other responsibilities, in my opinion. I don't think he's a natural free safety in terms of uh, like Stone is in terms of playing for an overthrow to be half of a cover two or a single high.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you as far as he did his best work, you know, uh, 10 to 20 yards away from the line of scrimmage. I mean, if you just think about some of his best plays, they were tackles short of the line, line of gain, like the one he had against Pat Fryer moved in the season finale. He had a couple other ones. Um, the one against Tyler Higbee in the Rams game where he got the guy just before um just before he reached the line of gain and forced a punt. So, um, like I said, he's, he's he's really good in the box. It's just like his ability to not only catch the ball, track the ball, but also know know what's going on, have constant. Consistent communication in the back end. This wasn't his strong suit as a rookie. But then then again, that's how it is for a lot of rookies.
3: Yeah. Uh, I had some missed tackles. Uh, Not a terrible percentage of missed tackles for him. Two dropped interceptions were very big, including one in Week 18 against the Steelers. Looked terrible. Um, Very close to a perfect passer rating on throws in his area, according to PFF. I always encourage people to go get PFF, by the way, but um, the passer rating against is is sitting up there close to 150. And, you know, that's not going to do it on the back end. And even guys who go for the body will typically do better than that, like a Deshaun Elliott. But, you know, the Ravens have got to fix their overall coverage problem because they allowed a opposing quarterback rating of over 100 this year.
0: Yeah, with with Brandon Stevens in particular, what really disappointed me about his rookie year, I want to say more than anything else, was the fact that this guy's a converted running back. You know, he was he played he played he he was recruited as a running back in UCLA, played running back for two years, then transferred him in transition to defense. Usually when you see the guys like Richard Sherman, he started out as a receiver in college and then transferred to cornerback. Uh, same with, uh, with Trevon Diggs. He started as a receiver, and then he's converted to cornerbacks. Usually those guys have really good ball skills. So I was expecting Brandon Stevens to have some good ball skills. But instead, the guy couldn't catch a cold. So I'm just like, golly, oh, man, are you sure you play running back? Or are you just like a like a fullback or a goal lineback? Because you got, you got lineman hands out there. You got passes bouncing off his chest in between his hands, off his face mask, and it's like, uh, if you're gonna be a free safety, we're gonna need you to, to to make some to make some plays on the ball. Like the, the, the standard for free safety in Baltimore is, is, is very very high. It was set yes, by yes, obviously. Yeah, it was set by set by the goat, Mr. One Ed Reed. And um like I said we've been chasing the ghost of that guy for years.
3: Yeah, it, it's it's I think there's two parts in play here with Elliot. Is one is that his hands weren't good. But honestly, you know, that's a couple of dropped interceptions. It's not the end of the world for, for if that was the difference in the season. The problem is he doesn't put himself in position to make enough plays on the football. He's more of a Deshaun Elliott guided missile to the body kind of player. Uh, he, he can get a little tentative in terms of his feet, I think, on the back end in terms of playing playing a, a ball carrier coming at him. But, but he's, I think the other thing he doesn't really do well in coverage is to play for the overthrow. And I talk about this a lot on various safeties. Gino Stone does it like nobody's business. And Deshaun Elliott and and uh, Brandon Stevens do not.
0: Yeah, Geno Stone's a guy that we're going to get to in a little bit here, but he's a guy that I feel like should get a lot more playing time in your – Jump in right your, in. Oh, jump right in. Yeah, this is a guy only appear, appeared in two games as a rookie and mostly played special teams in those games. And he was even – relegated to predominant special teams role to start off. 2021 season, but once the injury set in and he got more playing time and Stevens season became the starting free safety, he became the primary third safety. I mean, the guy was just making plays. I mean, he, he didn't get his hand on a bunch of balls, but like I said, he played overthrows real well. That's how he got that um the one interception that he had in the season finale. And he just has a much better feel for the passing game, I feel like. And I feel like you can see it on tape. I mean, he's a guy who feels a lot more comfortable on the back end than, um, than a Brandon Stevens or Deshaun Elliott, to be honest.
3: Yeah, a very natural player back there. And a lot of the things Elliott brings you as a pass rusher and whatnot, I mean, it's it's almost like he's wasted on the back end. This is a, a general problem with the Ravens. I think Clark has the ball skills and the positional awareness to play the back end, um, but he's useful everywhere. And the problem is you can't have him everywhere if the other people are weak at playing the back end. So Stone has got to be one of the guys who steps up and plays the back end well. His half of cover two has got to work. When they go to dime and they bring him in and I presume that's the way they'll use him again next year, I don't think he'll be the starting free safety.
0: Any any possibility of that? Um, you know what? We we didn't think Chuck Clark was gonna be the starting the starting uh strong safety or yeah, yeah, strong safety when 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 you know for, for before the whole, Jefferson uh, got hurt, yeah. Yeah, before Jefferson got hurt and then he came in and was a godsend for that for that um to that position and help really stabilize the back end, and then you know, like even Earl Thomas, you know, I wouldn't say God rest his soul because he's still with us in the land of living, but even, even Earl Thomas said, like when you know, when he first left the Baltimore, and like you guys got this guy, why you why do you need me here, you know? And so uh, I'm I'm not saying that Geno Stone could be the next shot Clark, but you never know. The Ravens do like to um do to have a have a decent hit rate on some of those later round defensive
3: backs. Yeah, I mean they have a great rate on safety is drafted late, and Stone took the green dot. When Chuck was out for the for the game, so that said a lot to me that they wouldn't give it to Stevens, who's been playing the back end all year. They obviously didn't want to give it to a linebacker because it lose you lose the versatility to pull those players out of the game. The Ravens ended the year playing a fair amount of quarter after the reacquisition of Tony Jefferson, which is very intriguing for next year. That's one of the, it's going to be one of the central defensive questions that Mike McDonald is going to have to answer is do the Ravens want to continue with uh, being a team that takes out both of their linebackers. If they, if they don't have a guy, I don't see any reason to have him on the field. You know, they don't have a green dot stuck on an inside linebacker. So go ahead. Play four safeties and three corners on those plays.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for the uh, Mike, uh, Mike McDonald press conference tomorrow um For the, the Ravens are going to be having, I really want to see you know, what his vision is like for this for this defense. I know at Michigan when he finally got a chance to be the primary uh, play caller, you know he played a lot of multiple fronts. You know he had guys you know, line up in different positions. You know his edge rushers weren't just hand in the dirt the entire time. He stood a lot of those guys up, and then he played um he played a lot of a lot of uh, different coverages in the, in the in the back end too, as far as personal packages and stuff. So I'm really excited to see what um what this new defense is going to look like under um and a McDonald, and um, a guy like Geno Stone, I feel like, could have a um, pretty pretty significant role
3: in that. Yeah, I mean, the NFL defense is highly substitution-based, and hopefully that's something that McDonald is quickly adaptable to, given, you know, he's been with the Ravens for a lot of years. He knows how Harbaugh has a, has generally treated his defensive linemen with lots of rotation, the outside linebackers with rotation, and also you know rotation in and out of the game for the inside linebackers on these dime and quarter packages, which essentially replace either one or two of them. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to see it. I don't think we'll hear tomorrow exactly what his philosophy is. In fact, I think if he got the question – you know, are, are, do you see yourself as more of a diamond quarter guy who likes to replace inside linebackers? I bet he would not. I bet he'd sidestep that question. Yeah, he'd probably say, oh, we like to run a multitude of packages
0: and so we'd like to be versatile on all of our fronts and you like to mix in, uh, you know, a variation of coverages and packages. So, you would like to keep opposing offenses on our toes. You know, the typical coach speak. Mm-hmm. But um, um, I, I, I do I do think he won't be able to hide some of the fact that, look, look you know, we got some talented guys in the back end that, um, and we're going to add to that. I, you know, so um, I'm excited to see what they do. I do think they have some solid foundational pieces now, even even with um with Elliott leaving. And um I I just think, you know, they're they're like a piece a piece or two away in the in the back end. And I really like them to bring back Tony Jefferson.
3: Yeah, I know. We want to talk about that. Tony Jefferson outstanding down the stretch for the Ravens. Unbelievable in that Cincinnati game. I think that was the game he had nine tackles, led the team, played. Great. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But he he was just outstanding and it, it, it's good to see him. Play that way again. He is a very natural quarterback, not quarterback, quarterback, meaning he's the seventh defensive back. You put in the line, of replaces your mic. Uh, very natural to play that position. Can cover a tight end man on man. He can play zone shallow. And his, his, his skills have never been on the back end. It's always been run fitting or, or, uh, uh, you know, playing these shallow zone coverages, where his responsibilities are much more clearly defined. Uh, just, I, I think, you know, the, the value of having him in there on third down would really improve the ravens there.
0: Yeah, I honestly think he could be a real key to the to not want say unlocking these defense, but kind of taking it to another level and shoring up some of the mistakes in case, you know, we do see some like, you know, another first half of the season regression from Queen again, and so we don't have to call up a Josh Bynes to come to the rescue for the for the third time in the last 4 years, you know.
3: Um, Are you expecting Queen to start at the mic?
0: Um I don't know. It really depends on how he develops this off season. You know, I re- I really think that um he 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 got he played a lot more consistently as a rookie with with McDonald as the linebackers coach. So maybe the retur- maybe the return of him to the fold can help him elevate his game some more. And and maybe he kind of probably can not be the Mike that they drafted him to be. But um you know if that's not the case, then you know like I said, if you're going to play a multiple front, might as well have Tony Jefferson as your as as your um second linebacker on the field.
3: Yeah. Uh, it's I, I I think Queen will have to earn that spot at this point. I think he's a Same. platoon will at this point. Uh, you know a two down will linebacker. You know that is not what they envisioned in terms of draft pick, but that's sunk cost. That is sunk cost, and you know they, they need to get the best out of Patrick Queen that they can right now. And that probably means a two down will linebacker who's going to chase the ball effectively and is going to be replaced by somebody who can cover better on third down. And I've said this a couple of times and I'm going to repeat it once more on this show, just because I am very adamant on this fact. If, if I'm Patrick Queen's agent, do not show me workout videos this offseason. Show me him learning positional skills. And I hope Patrick Queen is taking it as seriously as Lamar Jackson is about starting the day after the Super Bowl in terms of learning his positional skills. Because he has got so much ground to cover there, it's not even funny. And I don't think he can get there in camp. He didn't this year, even though there was, there was 20 minutes every day for him to have solo time with Rob Ryan. So I, I just this is something he's got to take on a personal coach in this offseason and really try to figure out.
0: Yeah, you know what I I've been I've been thinking about the past couple of weeks that's really been bothering me is the fact that, you know, the Ravens drafted two linebackers in in 20 in 2020 and neither one of them are excellent ex, you know, are are, are absolutely ex- excelling in coverage, but the Bengals got the one that did.
2: They got yeah, Logan really-
0: they got they got they got Logan Wilson and they got him like right in between where the the you like know, Patrick Queen went in the first. I think Logan Wilson either went in the second or in the third before Malik Harrison. I'm just like, man, they got the they got the guy I really wanted I mean, yeah,
3: like, he, 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 he's the best of them. There's no doubt about that. And and he was an exciting player at the time. It was really sad to see Cincinnati get him when they did. Uh, I just want to look back at that. Yeah, he was taking 65th overall. You know, I would even say at the time, it seemed like a mild stretch. I had Logan Wilson as a fourth-round player in that draft. I loved him but I have him as a fourth round player. There's a whole bunch of other guys I would love more as fifth round players. And, and some of them went earlier too. Like Jordan Brooks went in the first round. I had him as a three. Yeah, he went before Queen. Yeah, he went before Queen. That was ridiculous. And uh, it was ridiculous that he went in the first round at all. He hasn't really played that well, obviously, for, for Seattle. Nope. Uh, and then, and then uh, they had other guys that were like Jacob Phillips, who was the guy who played next to Queen but was a real tackler. Yeah, and uh, uh, know, Willie, he, Willie Gay went, went in the second round too. Willie Gay, not a not a bad one either. And they and who's the, the hyphenated name that I can't? Uh, uh, Gaither, I want to say Jared oh, slash Gaither. Oh, but yeah, like, uh, yeah. I think
0: I think he, the, who does he play for? He plays for the I he plays Bengals too. Yeah. Something. Yeah, I know you're talking about from Appalachian
3: State, right? I, I think that's the guy. I'm forgetting where he played college ball, but he but he was. Uh, yeah. Anyway, like Tim, too, as far as a guy who would have been drafted uh, at a more economical value than those guys. But all those inside linebackers, there's a big premium on inside linebackers that year. They all were drafted too high, frankly. And uh, it, Wilson, you know, the, the Bengals seem to have gotten a real ball player out of it. So that's that's good for them. But uh, boy, the other people who drafted inside linebackers didn't do all that great in that draft. No, no, them not. All right, back to back to safety for the Ravens in terms of, of the probably the biggest question in the room is the Ravens don't have their free safety of the future, obviously, on the roster. So, you know, one question we would ask is could Geno Stone play the position? Another one is do you move Chuck Clark there, I guess, and look at some of the things he did down the stretch and some of his ability to find the right place and maybe make him more of a specialist then a guy who can play strong safety can move up to dime as he played you know extraordinarily effectively in 2019 do you do you go outside the organization and look for a free safety at this point
0: um I, if chuck clark can play like he did in the rams game every week then yes uh then sure move him to free safety but i feel no like it, yeah yeah there's no guarantees on that and i, I feel like it um freeing them up to play a more versatile role being in his in the team's best interest. So to me, um whether that's whether that's via the draft or or going out and going out and paying for a guy, I think I think it would behoove the, the team to go out and pay for uh a no natural free safety, somebody who has those ball skills and can match up and excels in coverage and, and won't won't have to won't, you know don't have huge busts in the back end.
3: It's, it's two things I really hate in football when they when it's when teams acquire guards who think they can also uh, kick out the tackle on an as-needed basis. It's 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 crap. It's complete crap. You don't want guards who can kick. I mean, it's it's very different skill sets are involved. Even on the right side where you know, teams. Typically, want a mauler. You still want feet for pass rushing. You you definitely want feet on the left side, and that position is so different from all of the rest of the offensive line as the NFL plays it. Mostly, you really have to have a superb specialist there. So, please stop telling me we got guards who can play tackles. It's like telling me you got relievers who can start in baseball. It's crap. The other thing, the other one is simple. It's very similar. He's talking about versatile safeties. Oh, they can play off. They can play back. OK, there's some value to versatility. And, and I like I, I'm not belittling what you said about Clark, because Clark is legitimately versatile. But he, he, to, he he's probably more valuable closer to the line of scrimmage as a dime back or in a robber position where he can. He's moving up into the box, reading the quarterback and doing other things. So I just I, I, I want the free safety situation solved. You know they had it solved more or less with Eric Weddle for two seasons. The third season didn't play all that great, but the first two seasons he did, mm-hmm. and they had it certainly solved during the Ed Reed era. And other than that, in Ravens history, you know they had Eric Turner for a year who was pretty good uh, in nineteen in nineteen ninety six. But, but basically, they haven't had a bunch of real high end free safeties otherwise. Yeah, and, uh, and you
0: really go back to that it was that the twenty nineteen off season when they when they opted to break the bank on Earl Thomas instead of bringing in. Yes. Uh, Tyron Matthew. I mean, that right there, just if they go with one guy over the other guy, you know, we wouldn't be talking about this position anymore. And that very same guy, not talking about Thomas, Tyron Matthew, Mm -hmm. is up for a new contract this offseason. And he said, he says he, um, he wants to resign with the Chiefs, but they, they're, they're committed to signing Orlando Brown. Another guy where, um, familiar with. They're committed to signing him to, um, to a deal to play left tackle for them, so I don't think they're going to be able to pay that many guys of premium positions, and we might be able to, I mean, if the Ravens are willing uh, to, to steal them away from, from their arch-conference rivals.
3: Yeah, that's, I, I, I it might be the Bengals that are their arch-conference rivals at this point, but, but it's, it, it was certainly nice, I think, to see Orlando Brown give up the big sack to Trey Hendrickson in that game, I, I I'm not generally enjoying anything the Bengals are doing well in this postseason. Okay, The Bengals had a tremendous amount of injury luck this year, didn't like all that. I, I feel like basically the division was completely decided based on injuries, and the, and, but seeing Orlando Brown give up a sack to Trey Hendrickson, I'm okay with that.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like a like you know like, a, like he, he got he got Trey Henderson earlier in that game with the little snatch pull thing and kind of pancaked him real good. And then he got but Trey came back. He was tenacious that entire game and got Orlando a couple times. But that one that one key sack that he had, that um, yeah, for sure. I was like, I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was smiling a little bit. I was you know <laughs> I was like I said, I wasn't cheering for the Bengals. That was one of the games where I, I really had no rooting interest, but I didn't want to see the Bengals make it to the Super Bowl just for the pure fact that I know that. Lamar Jack the Joe Burrow over Lamar Jackson narratives are going to be nauseating all offseason especially if they win a Super Bowl on me my god Well, oh.
3: it's, it's hard to say what might have been different about this Raven season had they had Orlando Brown because I think they would have made the playoffs and not been good enough to go to the Super Bowl is basically the simple truth of it. They would have made the playoffs whether as a wild card, maybe even as division champions, but then they wouldn't have been good enough to to go much further than that. I don't really believe because you know it's a it was an inside linebacker who ended up getting Lamar on the on the injury. I don't really believe it would have solved a lot of their other problems with the running game and the other offensive line issues they had. It was a, it ended up being a very good trade for the Ravens. You look at it and who they got, and they got a you know the 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 pick that landed at Daffy Hillway, They definitely traded away current value for future, and this was a good season to do it. So much as the 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 you know, there's a lot of folks out there who want to win now, 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 now. And I'll just tell you, this was a great long term move for the Ravens to trade Orlando Brown when they did.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're getting a guy who's, who could have the potential to be a generational pass rusher for the next five years opposed to mm-hmm. keeping a guy who you're only going to be able to afford one more year. You know, they weren't going to be able, as, as great as that 2018 class was, you know, three of those guys are multi-time pro bowlers. You can only keep the fact that you were, were about to be able, once Lamar is extended, the fact that you should be able to keep two out of the three, you know, that's that's fine by me
3: right it's pretty it's pretty good honestly it really is and it's it 's a shame that the ravens can 't really get their their tackle problem fixed, but the you know just keeping Orlando Brown for the extra year wasn 't signing Orlando Brown and they still would be in a in a position where they probably couldn 't keep him this off season anyway so uh sad sad that that 's the way. Who have we not talked about at the safety position so far? Anybody else who played a little bit of time this year? let me just go through my my uh, list here and see if there's anybody else. I think we've got everybody. Yeah, we you know, are. Darius Washington. Washington, but he, he mostly played, he mostly played nickel, nickel when he, when he was in there. Yes, sir. So very much so. And but I, think you know, the, the Ravens have such a need at nickel, it could be the two safeties this next year that are the top two candidates. So they might, they'll probably get someone too to I mean, come I mean, in and compete. Washington
0: played, played, played a decent decent safety in the preseason, you know, had, showed a nice nose for the ball forced the fumble in that saints game. So, um, I, I think I think depending on what they do this off season, he might be in store for a larger role too, and you know, a hybrid safety nickel role.
3: Yeah, I I, I could see that. Uh, you know, it's it, they could almost call it like a big nickel role if he weren't so small personally himself. But uh, uh, he's a he's a uh, he, he's another guy who can not great speed, but he probably has enough speed to play half the back end, and he he has enough speed to play where a nickel usually ends up in zone packages. So uh, you know, yeah. I I. I like that from him. Very, very, you know, throws his body around well. I was impressed by that from him this year in terms of uh aggressiveness against the run and whatnot. I guess that's kind of a chip that is on the shoulder of a lot of shorter players.
0: Yeah. And um especially if the team moves off from Tavon Young this offseason, he'd definitely be a candidate to um take over that nickel spot and have an expanded role on defense in year two.
3: Right. I I d I don't see Tavon coming back, but you never know, I guess. Uh if he did, I think he'd be cut and returned. That's a possibility. He'll probably if if he gets cut, I imagine he probably plays somewhere else for very close to the vet minimum. If he if he were to come back to the Ravens for the vet minimum, that might be something that would be worth talking about. Um, maybe even there's an amount like two to three million that he's worth worth for yeah. the Ravens just because they're so short on nickels at this point.
0: Yeah, I think I think he'd be a primary, you know, prime salary cap casualty candidate. You know, like yep. I, you know, a lot of guys like Marcus Peters. Cause even though some just remember that they may be moving off from him this offseason, I could see them extending him. I don't see them investing mo- more money, you know, no. uh, into Tavon Young, especially given his checkered. Checker history. Even though he played the more games this year than he has the past three years combined, the fact that even this year he was banged up and left the game early at times and left your uh, secondary severely shorthanded than it already already was previously. So um I think he's a definitely prime salary cap casualty candidate, but he could be brought back on a very incentive laden deal depending on playing time and um and games played.
3: Fifty one percent of the snaps this year, which was uh which was pretty you know, obviously pretty good for his recent history. Uh, but they have four guys playing more with Clark leading the leading the team at ninety-five percent. So uh, they 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 need some guys in the secondary who are gonna stay healthy. And boy, the outside guys they've got now are very thin. I'm not I'm not doubting the fact that they might re-sign Marcus Peters. It's to me it's it'd be the kind of move that would be it would be their big off season move if they do it.
0: Yeah, I definitely think they, they, their move to will, be will be to. I mean, just going off of Hardball's comments, I mean, you can read into them from um, mm-hmm. from from Monday, him saying that you know they're going to get two first round corners back next year, which means they're planning on having. You went on to elaborate on how he expects to have both Marcus and and Marlon back, so I think he's going to factor into their plans in twenty twenty two. And I think the smarter move would be to extend them, like a, like a two three year extension, depending on how much. Better, you think he can, you know, he can keep the high level of play or return to it, and um, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely think he'll be in the plans in twenty twenty two and beyond.
3: Yeah, well, that'd be, I, I think that'd probably be something I'd want to see at this point. But the Ravens have got to get younger on the outside, and they got to get younger at nickel. Both, in fact, they just have to have a stable of decent players coming up. Anthony Averett was the big hope, and he played well this year. I thought. Uh, but but he's not going to be around. I don't believe. I believe he's going to get too much money somewhere else to to play there.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, corners are at a premium around this league, as we can, as we very well know, and as, as as Ravens fans, you know, they're hard to come by, and people will pay above average for average. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I definitely think Anthony. And I, I don't think Anthony Avery wants to come back to be sitting behind two all pros again. So I think he's going to want to you know spread his wings elsewhere and um, get paid.
3: Depending on the amount of money, it could be right player, right place between those two, where Averett is a guy. If you get Averett at five and a half million, as opposed to um, Marcus Peters at you know who knows even what the AAV would be on a deal for him. But coming off an injury, it'll be less. So maybe it maybe it'd be eleven, twelve million for him for a three to four year deal.
0: Yeah, maybe I just I just don't think Averett wants to come back. I mean, I just think he might want to, like I said, move on and be a be a, you know, full time starter elsewhere. Well, he'd, he'd be the
3: starter if they made the choice of him. Oh, yeah, 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 Peters. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just based off of what Harbaugh was saying, and I don't, I don't think they want to move on from
3: uh, from Marcus yeah. Peters. I, I, I just say, Josh, I. I There's nothing I would trust from Harbaugh to be indicative of what's really going to happen at this point. I mean, he's not he's not giving away anything. In fact, uh, you know, Eric DaCosta, he probably had a talk before that conference to say, hey, look, here are the topics you're going to be asked about. We need to stay clear of. But the party line on Peter's coming back is that Peter's coming back. He's under contract. You know, what what are you talking about? Of course, we're going to have Marcus Peters. You know, it's between now and five days after the you know, deadline or whatever it is where they have to make these kind of cuts and, and get the full value out of them, uh, it, it's, it's a liar's lunch all the way.
0: Yeah, just like Eric DaCosta saying, he was insulted yeah. by the way that the receiver position was being perceived. And then he went on to draft <laughs> another receiver in the first yeah. round <laughs> and another one in the fourth round. So, yeah. you know, this team is good at smoking mirrors and being masters of deception when it comes to their words and compared right. to their actions.
3: Yeah, they're 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 both uh tight lipped guys, period, but they're both very you know, they 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 don't mind saying something different to the camera, that's for sure. Well Josh, always a pleasure. Anything else about the safety position maybe we haven't hit on that you want to talk about? Um Chuck Clark did mask
0: a lot of deficiencies um, in the in the back end, uh, especially first half of the season, he was playing really, really well. And a lot of the a lot of the plays that could have went for touchdowns, longer plays, he kind of got the guy last minute, or flew over to you know limit limit the game to from a, from an extra long game to just like you know medium to moderate game. So I mean Chuck Clark, he was he really played his ass off this year. Um, in 2021, and um, want to give him his flowers because, like you know, he said he had to make up for a lot. You know, you weren't you were without some key guys in secondary for stretches, and some some were for for the majority of the season. And um, like I said, he was really um, the, the glue in the back end, even though there were some busted coverages. You know, I'll t- at times I'll seemingly every week, but you know, he was really the guy who kind of kept the lid on things for the most part back there.
3: Yeah, to to me, uh, asking Chuck Clark to fix the coverage deficiencies in the secondary. Towards the end of the year with the guys, they had a corner. It was like asking Chuck Hart to herd cats. I mean, it's just – there was no doing it. These guys just didn't have the skills. Worley and, and uh, Nate um, – Jackson, Robert Jackson. Yeah, and Robert Jackson. Sorry, I always say the same. I always call him Nate Jackson. And, uh, Seymour. And, uh, Seymour. Uh, playing together at the same time, you know, in, in trying to shut down what, whether it was Cincinnati or the Rams or whoever it was when they were, when they were all playing together, that, that's ugly. I mean, that's something really ugly and there's just no fixing players who just have, have problems using the right leverage, you know, not being able to cover a flat route, for example, or not be able to minimize the gain on a flat route. I mean, it just it, it got very ugly, very quick. I was actually very surprised they, they re-signed Seymour uh, already for, you know, he may just be a camp body, but he's a guy who will be there.
0: Yeah, I definitely think he'll, I think he he's a guy that they're kinda of like keeping around. But I definitely think they're gonna invest in like I think that I think they're gonna come away for the draft with at least two corners. With at mm-hmm. least two corners. So, um uh, there might be two outside guys or an outside guy to nickel, but I think they're going to invest in that position. But they're kind of just, you know, like the Ravens, the Ravens love depth. They're addicted to depth, you know, especially if you're familiar with their system. So I'm definitely not surprised that they brought him back so quickly. I also thought maybe he would have been a guy that you signed maybe post draft or later on or just before camp. I don't think a guy kind of like Kavon
3: Seymour is going to be an eye to man. But um, hey, it is what it is. Well, Ravens need an awful lot of players to fill out their roster this year, so I, I expect them. You know, if anything, I think they'll be trading down and not up. And everybody wants to trade up every year. I don't know why, but everybody does. Um, I think they can get an offensive tackle that they like in the first two rounds, um, hopefully not without trading up. If they have to, that, that would be really bad. Uh, but then, but then they, you know, the other things that they really need to fill out, positions they really need to fill out, like nickel, uh, even like outside corner, but running back in particular are positions that are right on that border of a seventh-round pick and undrafted free agent. And if they can get what they want by having their deep scouting of these small schools where the other schools are dealing with a larger crop of large school players that are coming out after the COVID 2020 season, you know, there is a good chance that the Ravens can really make use of a deep draft like that, despite the fact they don't have a lot of picks currently right at the end or at the break point of, of, uh, you know, round seven and UDFAs. Yeah,
0: the majority of the bulk of their picks are are in the top four or five rounds. But I, 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 I'm with you with the with not trading up thing. Um, but the one player I would like to see, the, if, like if he became the fall, I know he's like a consistent top 10 pick right now. But a guy like Kyle Hamilton
3: from Notre Dame. Okay. He, I, I love Kyle Hamilton too. But how how far up are you willing to trade to get Kyle Hamilton? Because that's the, that's going to be how much draft not, capital you have to spend from elsewhere.
0: Not in the top 10 because I feel like it costs too much to get in the top 10. But uh-huh. if, he, if he fell like to like 11 or 12 – Like I've even seen a mock draft where he was protected at 13. I I could definitely see the Ravens leapfrogging the Browns to take a guy like
3: Kyle Hamilton. Okay. So, I mean, I, you know, I looked at, he's one possibility, but there are others as well in terms of players who might be available, but with a trade up with the Browns, but I, I, you know, after the, not a thing, do we really believe that's going to happen again? That they're going to move up. But uh, if they moved up to to even it's even 10 from 14 is, is 200 JJ points. And to put that in in perspective, that would take probably more than their top two picks in the fourth round to make that to make that move up. To me, that's an awful lot to pay, but it might take a three and a four. That's what it might reasonably take to move up.
0: Yeah, I just like I said, like I'm not saying they should like jump into the top ten, but like you know, if he, if he falls outside of the top ten, anywhere from 11 to 13, I think
3: they should definitely consider making that move. All right. All right. Well, fair enough. We'll see how it, how how it works out. And this would be fun if there's another Babatunde Babatunde Oshinowo out there that that uh, uh, you know has is as the pick value that the Browns get in ter, you know, for allowing the Ravens to move up to get Haloti Nata. That would be exciting certainly. But uh, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on, Josh. Tell folks where they can find your work. Oh yeah, you can
0: uh, read all my work at BaltimoreBeatdown.com. A lot of great content over there. Me and the other guys. Uh, down there churning out, churning out some good content, a lot, of, a lot of good Ravens content for you guys. How
3: often are you writing during the off season?
0: Oh, I'm, I'm I I stay active pretty much all year round, Ken, to be honest with you, um, like I said, I got, I know I'm like mandatory three articles a week, but I write I write more than that. I'll, I'm always looking for stuff to write. Um, I'm about to start digging really into the draft content now that um I'm, I'm, I'm doing my own uh, series of articles of position position reviews of the 2021 season. Um, and then um after that I'm diving uh, right into the draft and I'll be doing some free agency stuff too. But I really want to get a head start on some of the draft portfolios that I'll be working on.
3: All right. That sounds good. We'd love to have you on for a draft position. One, one of your choice for, for the reviews coming up. So we'll talk about that after the show at uh, Josh Reed, nine Oh seven, give him a follow. He's really worth it. Uh, what I'll say also is that there's other people. I'm doing a series called fixing the Ravens. We have some planned and including one about, Greg Roman and a couple of guys who are very adamant about their, their desire that uh, he should not be back. But uh, I'm looking for other things fairly narrow. If we're looking for like, how would you rebuild the defensive line would be an interesting one. Or how would you address the safety situation in terms of, uh, do you go outside the organization, get a a premium free safety and then work from there? or Do you try and resolve it during the draft? How would you go about that? Uh, Would you resign to Sean Elliott? Would you not? Um, It's, 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 Things like that that I want to discuss one at a time over the next couple of weeks. And uh, I hope folks out there will shoot me a DM on Twitter. DMs are open. Love to hear from you. Josh, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.